We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, William F. Buckley Jr., G.K. Chesterton, C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, Anthony Fauci, and scientism. Not science, scientism. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's rebellion. Over the weekend, I read an article in the National Review. And it basically said that Dr. Anthony Fauci has worn out his welcome as America's sobered scientist. One more time. Anthony Fauci has worn out his welcome as America's sober scientist. Obviously, the article went on to argue that people are getting tired. They're getting tired of all of these mandates. They're getting tired of all of this fear. They're getting tired of the power trip. They're getting tired of the control. They're getting tired of Anthony Fauci. He is the face. He is the poster child of all of this. You probably saw the exchange between him and Jim Jordan last week, where Jim Jordan, Congressman Jordan of Ohio, asked Fauci, Dr. Fauci, in a hearing before the United States Congress, to give a number, to give a number when Fauci would allow people to go back to normal, when he would allow them to, quote, have their freedom back. And Fauci wouldn't answer He refused to give Jim Jordan a specific number. Jordan kept pushing. What numbers do you want to see, Dr. Fauci? What are the numbers? How how many cases? How many cases do you want to see? What is the number? What is the rock-bottom number that you have as your target? What's your goal for you to pull the trigger to allow everybody to go back to normal. Stop wearing masks. They don't have to wear masks anymore if we hit this number. Fauci refused to answer. Now, he supposedly is a scientist. Now, I want to say one more time, if I would have acted like that, if I would have given that kind of answer when I was defending my doctorate at Michigan State University, I would have been laughed out of the room. They expected answers. You couldn't dodge. You couldn't equivocate. You couldn't change the subject. You had to answer the question. And if you couldn't answer the question, it was evidence that you didn't know what you were talking about, that you hadn't done your research, that you did not know your material. Dr. Fauci refused to answer Jim Jordan's question. And you know the end of it. Maxine Waters actually interrupted at the end, and she said to Jim Jordan, just shut your mouth. That's her quote. She said to one of her colleagues in the Congress, just shut your mouth. 
Again, this is immature, childish behavior by the left. Progressives are some of the most immature, infantile children in their thinking, in their ideology, and in their behavior because their ideas have consequences. Their ideas are immature, and therefore they behave immaturely. That's Maxine Waters. Different story, different time. But Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci, what's the story on him? I'm going to give you the headline again for National Review. Dr. Fauci is wearing out his welcome. and He's no longer considered America's sober scientist. I'm going to argue that the National View, excuse me, National Review is spot on. I'm going to use G.K. Chesterton, excuse me, C.S. Lewis, a little J.R.R. Tolkien, Maybe tell you a little story about William F. Buckley Jr. in the meantime. Let's take an early break and acknowledge our sponsors, our corporate sponsors that take care of us here. In terms of the radio broadcast version of The Rebellion. Very grateful for their support and also encourage all of the rest of you listening, whether it be in radio or whether it be via the podcast, to consider joining the rebellion, subscribing to it by going to patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. That's patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. And don't forget my new book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. Had a great week last week. It launched as number one new release in its category and stayed there for almost the entire week. I'm going on the Huckabee Show this weekend. That'll keep the momentum going, but I need you all to go out and buy the book. Buy it for yourself. Buy it as a graduation or commencement gift. Grow up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. It's endorsed by Dennis Prager. It's endorsed by Governor Huckabee, Cal Thomas, and several others. Grow up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. Again, let's take a break. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and we will be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. So the story is this. As I said, I'll give you the exact date. I said it was last week. Well, it was April 13th. The editors of the National Review published an opinion piece. And in that column, they said this. More than a year ago, Americans welcomed Dr. Anthony Fauci into their homes as a sober scientist who was helping them make sense of a deadly virus, the pandemic, COVID-19 pandemic. And then they go on to say this, but he has worn out his welcome. One more time. National Review, April 13th. More than a year ago, Americans welcomed Dr. Anthony Fauci into their homes as a sober scientist who was helping them make sense of a deadly virus. But he has worn out his welcome. Well, I agree. I agree, and I think many of you, if not almost all of you, agree. William F. Buckley Jr.'s heirs, if you don't remember, Buckley is the founder of the National Review. Buckley, in many ways, is the godfather of American, at least modern, American conservative thought, contemporary American conservative thought. William F. Buckley Jr. founded the National Review. And his heirs at the National Review are absolutely right. And I'm going to tell you why. You see, Anthony Fauci is no longer viewed as our nation's sober scientist because he's not one. 
Now, you may be surprised that I would make that claim. You know I've said many times on this show, I am not a medical doctor. As my youngest son has been so fond of saying, Dad, you're not a real doctor. You can't cure anybody. You can't fix anything. All right, so I am, I'm the first to admit I do not hold a medical degree, and I do not claim to be a scientist, a sober one, or otherwise. My degree is academic. It is not medical. And I want to make that clear. So when I critique anything with, re- with regard to medicine or medicine debate, medical debate, scientific debate that's going on, in our culture right now. I want to make sure I'm approaching it honestly and hopefully with some measure of humility because I'm not pretending to be a doctor, a medical doctor. But what I do know, like all of you know, is a little common sense, sense that's common. And I do have the ability to ask questions. And I'm not going to be intimidated by anybody because of some initials behind their name or some position that they hold. And thank the Lord for Jim Jordan for holding the same position. He asked good questions, and he should not be shamed because he doesn't have the degree that Anthony Fauci has. He asked good questions. He didn't try to lecture. He asked good questions, and he couldn't get an answer. So my point is this. Anthony Fauci is no longer viewed as America's sober scientist because he's not a sober scientist. He's not one. Instead of this, he has shown himself to be a political opportunist. And therefore, he's become our country's new high priest of scientism. Now, I've talked about scientism before on this show, and the rest of the show I'm going to go into that again. And I cover this in my new book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. I actually cover this, not the story of Fauci per se, but I cover this issue. I cover this issue. The best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And I'm talking about this issue of scientism because it's past behavior and it is the predictor of future behavior, i.e. current behavior. So in my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good, I offer the following. And here you go. In the early 1900s, G.K. Chesterton spoke of the unavoidable consequences of worshiping science over the sacred. Chesterton recognized. He recognized this because he was observing the naturalists of his day, and he could see that they were only too willing to turn the science of their time into a philosophy. They had turned science into a philosophy, and then impose this as their new religion upon all of culture, and they did it with near fanatic zeal. See, Chesterton said, I never said a word against eminent men of science. What I complain of is a vague, popular philosophy which supposes itself to be scientific when in reality it is nothing but a sort of new religion and an uncommonly nasty one. G.K. Chesterton, early 1900s. Do you see what he's saying? I'm not speaking out against science. I'm not the science denier, said Chesterton. What I'm speaking out against is these guys who call themselves scientists, but really it's a vague, 
vague? Does it sound familiar? Won't even answer the question as to numbers, Dr. Fauci. A vague popular philosophy which supposes itself, presents itself, pretends to be scientific when in reality it's nothing but a new religion and an uncommonly nasty one. This is where we are. Recognizing that science could never presume to compete in the moral arena, Chesterton went on on and he said this, To mix science up with philosophy is only to produce a philosophy that has lost all its ideal value and a science that has lost all its practical value. It is for my private physician to tell me, he said, whether this or that food will kill me. It's for my private philosopher, i.e. my priest or my pastor, to tell me whether I ought to be killed. Do you see what Chesterton's doing? These scientists have jumped the rails, and they are now oligarchs telling us how to run our lives, even within the church walls, what morals we have to embrace, and what lives we have to live. See, Chesterton knew science could answer the question of mathematics and medicine, but he was likewise very much aware it had little to say about the meaning of life and morality. Chesterton warned that scientific progress, unrestrained by sacred principles, was fraught with dangers. Survival of the fittest, this Darwin attitude of survival of the fittest, which everybody had embraced then, during Chesterton's time, and everybody has doubled down on today. Survival of the fittest, Chesterton believed, may be an interesting academic discussion when applied to a vegetable, an animal, or a mineral. This is Chesterton. But when practiced on people, its consequences are nothing short of horrifying. That's the difference between science and scientism. Science can answer the questions of mathematics and medicine. Scientism is the worship, the worship of this new religion that jumps the rails and starts telling you whether or not you can go to church. C.S. Lewis jumped in on this. He spoke of Western society's diminishment of God's created order while elevating personal power to fill the chaotic void. Never let a good crisis go to waste. Fill the void of chaos with your power. Lewis warned of this. When you diminish God and his created order, you're going to elevate your personal power power to fill the void. So Lewis predicted the rise of what he and a lot of other people's labeled scientism. Lewis warned of a dystopia where public policy and even moral and religious beliefs would be dictated by, what was the word of the day last week? Oligarchs, oligarchy. He warned that scientism would lead to a dystopia where public policies and even freedom and lack thereof, even moral and religious beliefs would be dictated by oligarchs who were just waiting to assume the role of our new cultural high priests. He talked about it repeatedly, but one of the places was in his novel, The Hideous Strength. In that novel, Lewis asks an obvious question. After two world wars, he says, in which technology, materialism, and naturalism brought us all the advancements, in quotation marks, of 
the mass slaughter of millions, ballistic missiles, and the atomic bomb, how's our new man-made god of scientism working for us? The Dr. Phil question. How's that one working for you? Lewis said this, The physical sciences, good and innocent in themselves, have already begun to be warped. They have been subtly maneuvered in a certain direction. Despair of objective truth has been increasingly insinuated into a concentration upon mere power. Does that sound like the daily news? I've got to read that one again for you. The physical sciences, good and innocent in themselves, have already begun to be warped. They have been subtly maneuvered in a certain direction. Maneuvered? Manipulated? Molded? In a certain direction. Despair of objective truth. There is no such thing as truth, and that's the truth. We hear this all the time. Despair of objective truth has increasingly insinuated itself into a concentration upon mere power. Power. Power, Dr. Fauci. Lewis knew that scientists, if they were unhampered by any objective moral restraint, if there is no morality, if morality is just a social construct, which is what Black Lives Matter and critical race theory and all critical theory, it's what post-modernity, it's what the snowflakes are telling us, there is no morality. You can't dictate morality. It's just made up as you go. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as it works for you. Lewis knew that scientists living within that world, if they were unhampered by moral restraint, objective morality, would always reach for what his friend J.R.R. Tolkien called the one ring to rule them all, the one ring to bind them, Lord of the Rings. Lewis knew this. He knew Tolkien was right There's an insatiable thirst in the human soul for power. And if morality doesn't constrain that human desire, everyone will reach for the one ring to rule them all. And that's what Fauci has done, and that's what you see in our government right now, and these oligarchs and the corporate world, they will rule us all. Now, there was a list of those who warned of the inevitable consequences of scientism, and it went well beyond Chesterton and Lewis. It included Tolkien, as I've already mentioned, T.S. Eliot, and many others before them and after them. All of the people warning of scientism knew that when we supplant God's created order, once again, with man's political maneuvering, C.S. Lewis's language, there's always going to be dire consequences. Chuck Colson, the late founder of the Colson Center, For Christian Worldview, Richard Nixon's hatchet man who wrote the book Born Again after he turned to Christ and realized he wasn't born that way, that he could be born again. Colson summarized all of this. He basically said this, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here. If we start with the assumption of divine order, then there will be freedom within the boundaries of that order. But if we deny such order exists, truth becomes meaningless and right and wrong, and even science. You hear me on this? Even science becomes nothing more than a power play and a social construct. Even science. And that's what you see in the social maneuvering, the political maneuvering, the dance 
that Fauci is playing. Well, first it was, we just need to flatten the curve to make sure our healthcare system isn't overwhelmed. And then the maneuvering starts. The target keeps getting moved. That's maneuvering. That's political power. One ring to rule them all. One ring to bind them. See, Lewis and Chesterton and Colson, they were all on the same page. They were all warning of this brave new world where material comforts would be all that mattered. Freedom doesn't matter anymore. Just safety. Be safe. We'll put you in a cubicle called your house. You're basically confined to house arrest, but you're safe. You're comfortable. The higher ideals, the higher values, the higher goods, the first things, they don't matter anymore. We're just going to give you your material comforts. We'll give you a stimulus check. We'll keep you safe. We'll give you an injection of a new drug that hasn't been tested thoroughly enough yet to even know if it is harmful. And that's true. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm not a science denier. And I know that some people I deeply respect have gotten the vaccine. And because of their health conditions and mitigating circumstances and comorbidities, it may have been the right thing for them to do. If I were in their shoes, I may have done the same thing. But the bottom line is... This, by definition, is an experimental drug because it hasn't been around long enough for us to know. That's why you're finding this news about Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca and other drugs that they're having problems, so they're pulling them back. And then just over the weekend, we heard that you have to have a third injection. What was it? Is that for Pfizer? you got to get a third injection now? Well, where did that come from, Dr. Fauci? Where was the science on this? Why are we just finding this out? Are you experimenting on the people that you're actually giving this drug to? Apparently the answer is yes. Different story, different time. Back to my point. Chesterton, Colson, Lewis, they were all warning us of Huxley's brave new world where material comforts would be all that mattered, a world where we would gladly sacrifice our freedom for the sake of safety. You see, these guys knew they knew because they'd read, they were, they were educated men, they had read deeply into history, the classics, something that we despise today because it's a product of white privilege. That's one of the things that will be lost at the hands of critical race theory. History will be lost. And those who don't learn the lessons of history are doomed to repeat them. You see, these guys knew because they knew history that when we decide to worship the God we see in scientism, rather than the God who is the author of science, that we will inevitably bow in subservience to anyone, to anyone, to any man or woman, such as His Holiness, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Not because of his grasp of reality, but simply because he's clutching the ring of power. And we have to bow. But here's the deal. I'm not going to end on a negative. I'm not going to end on a negative. It's not all lost. All is not lost. There's a remnant. Remember a few weeks ago I said I'm going to 
stop calling myself an evangelical Christian, and I'm going to start calling myself a remnant Christian. There's a remnant, a remnant of those who hold to the truth, to objective reality, to the facts that are presented to us. In revelation, in natural law, in common sense, in sense that is common, in the lessons of history, facts that have been tested by time, proven by experience, validated by reason, and confirmed by scripture. There's a remnant of people that know these things and they're holding fast to those things. And I want to believe and I will wrestle to be within the remnant. Millions who are waking up from the bad dream. Almost like Frank Baum's Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. Waking up from the dream. We've pulled back the curtain and we see that the wizard pulling the levers, is a fraud. The wizard is a fraud. He won't answer your questions. Pay no attention to that man beyond, behind the curtain, he says. He doesn't have to answer your questions because he has the ring of power. Pay no attention. I agree with National Review. The good doctor, Anthony Fauci, his holiness, Anthony Fauci, and all that he represents, not just him, but he represents the cabal of power. The good doctor, Anthony Fauci, is wearing out his welcome. And the reason is that the remnant within America is finally recognizing that he's the science denier, not us. One more time, the reason he's wearing out his welcome, the reason Bill Buckley's heirs at National Review are absolutely right, the reason is scientism. Anthony Fauci is now America's high priest of scientism. He's not America's sober scientist. The reason he's wearing out his welcome is that we have woken up from this bad dream like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, and we realize the wizard is a fraud and that he's the science denier, not us. Remember that in times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. In times of universal maneuvering and manipulation and dodging and not answering questions, of moving the target. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. <laughs>